everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Real Story Podcast. Today's guest, Rachel White, is one of my favorite humans um, that I have met in recent months. She is a right-way client. And I first learned about Rachel actually listening to her on another podcast, the Simply Be podcast. Then we kind of reached out to each other um, via the powers of social media, the one aspect of social media that I love. And I wanted to get a tarot card reading from her. And I've had many tarot card readings in the past. I've worked with psychics. I've worked with mediums. And Rachel is truly unlike anybody in the spiritual realm that I've worked with. She is, she comes from a corporate business background, actually. She is so no bullshit. She is completely inclusive. So her whole methodology is around inclusivity in terms of you can be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company and be spiritually curious, or you can be a freaking yogi plant-based eater who lives in the middle of the woods and it all serves the same purpose. She takes such a unique approach to spirituality. She knows so much about this world and this space, but I can guarantee you, you have not heard spirituality discussed like this. Um, She not only is a wonderful tarot card reading, she does do channeling. She's a medium. She is a shaman. She does energy work. She facilitates guided meditation. She makes incredible flower essences. She leads group coaching and workshops. And it's truly a full suite of spiritual services designed to empower anyone and everyone. So again, you don't have to meditate for 30 minutes every day and eat a plant-based diet in order to be spiritual or to be spiritually curious. And I think there's become, you know, there's, there's this huge divide between religious, being religious and being spiritual. And today we really get into all that and more. She actually likens the book proposal process that she went through with me for her amazing book to going on a shamanic journey. And I was really blown away by what she had to say about that on today's podcast. But I am just so thrilled to bring her to the real story so you can listen and understand that being connected to yourself and awakening to our inner energy and our inner knowingness and our inner consciousness is there for all of us at all times. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It is available and accessible to you. And we really get into today to how to tap into that knowingness that no one can give you. There's no hack or spiritual guru. It is all within. So sit back and enjoy this incredible conversation with the one and only Rachel White. Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Okay, Rachel White. Welcome to the Real Story Podcast. I have to say, 
you know, I don't play favorites with my clients, but you are hands down my favorite client um, I've worked with over the plethora of hundreds and hundreds of humans. I think you're just one of the most interesting humans I've met in a while. So welcome. Well, Ria, I have to tell you, and this is not a mutual butt kissing fest to anyone who's listening. Trust me, we're, we're not known for false compliment giving either of us, I don't think. But no, but, we, uh, you're not. You and Rightway, you and Alex have restored my faith in people adding value. You know, there as an entrepreneur, you go to market and there's so many consultants and providers and yada, yada, and it tends to just be a bit of a minefield. And so this experience for me, it was number one, great tactically, like you really helped me in tangible ways, but also I feel a little bit better about working with people now. So thank Aww. you for that. True story. Well, that, that makes me, I mean, that's kind of why we do what we do. But I remember you saying that when we first engaged yeah. for your book proposal. And I was like, really? Yeah. But I've had a lot of ex similar experiences where you pay money for a service and then that person either disappears or they don't do what they say they're going to do, or it kind of looks like they're working, but they're really not. And I'm not sure what that's all about. Um, <laughs> how people say in business, but I'm glad this has been a, a good experience for you. And we're, yes. we're going to dive into just the book proposal process for you shortly. But as you are a shaman and so many people, I think either misunderstand what shamanism even is, what it's supposed to look like, what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to receive from it. Can you briefly explain what that even means like what a shaman yeah um shaman is kind of like a miscellaneous catch-all for certain certain types of people so it transcends culture it transcends geography faith system all of the above um the word shaman is is a russian word uh, meaning wounded healer but you know there are medicine men and women i'm native american what it basically is is someone who is a a healer but more specifically someone who is a psychopomp. And what that word means is you go into difficult, dark, tight places to do hard things. You transmute what we would refer to maybe as poison or pathogen into medicine. So yeah, shamans, um, you, you can be a shaman, you can be Jewish, you can be Christian, Muslim, you can be an atheist. So shamanism isn't strictly speaking a faith system. It's more like a, a personal spiritual development system is the way I've come to look at it. Do you think that anyone can be a shaman? I think in spirit, yeah, but I've had a few people, it's funny you mentioned that, come up to me after like a group workshop or something and they're, they're like an animal communicator or they're a Reiki practitioner already and they'll say like, I want to be a shaman. You go, no, 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 no. Like that wounded healer thing, <laughs> like take it, take it from me. It's, it's a life of like constant shamanic illness, ego death. Like you take your work home with you in a kind of hard way. And I think to be a shaman, you have to have a certain edge to you that yeah. some of the other practitioners don't have because you're going to deal with negative entities. You're going to deal with ugly stuff you see in someone's energy body because they were abused. You have to be able to handle it. And so shamanism isn't this really flowery, sweet, soft practice. You know, it's not Zen Buddhism. It's a little different. And you're so different. I feel like you are the ultimate like antithesis of what we stereotypically think about when we think of a shaman and like the way they dress and they act yeah. and that is what is so refreshing about you and that's what you're writing about you know in your book but 
Can you speak to a little bit about how you are different? And I feel like you're so all-inclusive as well in terms of, you know, people that might be a little skeptical about either spirituality or shamanism. You, you really speak to those people. Can you, can you discuss that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I went to Catholic school my whole life. So of course, by the time I was in my early twenties, I was an atheist. I always joke. I was a devout atheist. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I grew up with the scientific method. I'm inherently skeptical. You know, I don't like being told fairy tales. Um, I had a dysfunctional set of parents too. So anytime someone's kind of telling stories and fibs and lies, even if they make you feel good, I have a big thing with that. It's a bit of a bugaboo for me. So um, I think I'm a bit different in the sense that I came by this. Honestly, I had an experience in my early 20s that was was actually rooted in reality and other people saw what occurred. So I couldn't explain it away as like, oh, I'm having a seizure or a psychotic break. Like it was, it was provably real. And then I just started researching. And what I came to is that all these ancient peoples, you know, what we would call like shamanic peoples all over the world, all those cave drawings, all this stuff, all these old religious books, they wrote it and they drew it, I think, because they experienced it. But it was magic to them because they didn't understand the technology yet. So that's sort of the way I approach shamanism is it's not this, you're gonna vision board kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but why do vision boards work? Um, What does it shift in our subconscious mind or the quantum field? And as you do this work, you discover all these intersection points between science, technology, and spirituality. And crystals, for instance, you know, Silicon Valley is named Silicon Valley because of the silica crystals used in the processors in your computer and your phone. So these things all do things. And that's sort of the way I, I approach it. And that's why it doesn't matter as much if someone believes something or not. To me, I don't care at all. That's what I love. I think that is the biggest differentiating factor for you is it's not about, you don't have to, I mean, as you said in your book proposal, you don't have to be a vegetarian and right. <laughs> like yeah. yoga and meditate for an hour a day to benefit from what it is that you have to offer and I think, I don't know, spirituality, as you know, today is, is just been, it's a trend almost. And it's and a giant industry financially. It, it, is it really is. Industry. So what, yeah. what is happening with that term spirituality? And I mean, why, why is it become so, so marketable? Do you think? I think it's, it's multiple factors. And I have to give credit where credit's due because Mark Vicente, who was one of the people who got out of Nexium and was in the vow, um, he has a YouTube channel. He writes about these things a lot. And he's become obsessed with sort of like spiritual narcissism, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, because the leader of Nexium was one of, those, one of those kids. He was a complete narcissist, psychopath, and he claimed to be ethical and spiritual. So there's a few things. One is I think it's a great way to virtue signal and to seem like a good person. So price of admission, you're spiritual. That means you're a good person, right? right. Off right. the bat. And it's, you know, look at the Catholic church, right? Not all people who are spiritual or religious are good people. And it doesn't prevent them from committing, you know, human atrocities, right? Yeah. And then the the other piece of it is I think people, you know, we've never been more connected through our devices. We've never been more efficient. We've never had more access to everything all over the world. And yet there's a loneliness epidemic. I wrote about this in oh, a corporate yes. client's white yeah. paper. There's real data. People are lonely. They're disconnected. They want meaning in their life, but they're not comfortable in all of the traditional religions anymore. And I think a lot of them at this juncture have gotten burned by things like, oh, I thought it was a Kundalini yoga studio. It turns out it's a cult, right? Like it's, 
it's yep. a whole thing. And, and all those people are trying to make money too. It's a bit like a multi-level marketing scheme. In a lot of cases, it's very interesting. So I think what's happening, especially on Instagram is, is this is a moneymaker for people because you're selling them happiness. You know, this is the science of joy and they want to be joyful, happy, and they also want to be good people. And Mark Vicente talks about that a lot. That's why he joined Nexium, um, because he had been a successful director. He made the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? about spirituality and quantum physics. But he grew up in apartheid era South Africa and his dad was on the wrong side of history. And he had a lot of white male guilt, right? So he wanted someone almost like a rite of deliverance to baptize him and make him a good person. Completely. Um, Remember when people would pay tithes to the Catholic church to get to heaven? It's kind of one of those things. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's baffling, but that's what I love again about you is that, you know, you come from this corporate business background and you blend your spiritual practice and what you do with totem, which I'd love for you to talk about. Yeah. You're really about bringing the whole self into, I mean, whether it's at work at home and bringing spirituality into the workplace, you don't hear about that. It's not a thing. It's not a thing yeah. that, that we do. How, how would you suggest we start to bring our whole selves, including our spirituality into, right. into workplace at home? I mean, I think we do really separate those things and we don't often talk about them and fuse them together. And we're, we're told to separate them, you know, yeah. me specifically in corporate, I had a prototype of my tarot deck and I showed it to someone who was, you know, very high level at my company at a dinner. He goes, shh, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I don't exactly. want people to see that. Right. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like to me, the whole thing was so silly. Right. Cause you know, he was, by the way, just to pick on him for a second, I like him a lot, but he's on the board of a, of a Christian college. He's a, he's a fundamentalist Christian. And I'm like, look at, look at your belief systems. They're mystical. Like yeah. Christ is a mystical figure. Why, why is all of this so taboo and silly and whatever? Um, the other thing though, is people in secret, like CEOs, CEOs would call me and they'd be like, hey, did you have a dream about the pursuit? Like, do you think we're gonna win? Like, so everybody has that thing in them, right? And it's a great way to democratize the workplace and bond a bit. It, it, everybody lets their guard down and they talk, maybe, maybe it's a ghost story, maybe it's not even religious, but an experience they had growing up. Maybe they lived in a haunted house. And you connect as humans in a deeper way. Now, bringing your whole self to your work, this was more research I actually did for a corporate real estate client where I learned all these survey respondents felt like they were a different person at work. Like it's, it's measurable. Oh, completely. completely. Yeah, I put my work persona on, I do the work persona thing and it's very like uh, performative kind mm -hmm. of. And even if it's not dramatic, it's theatrical because you're putting a character on. And then you come home and that's, that's home you. And we all suffer individually and collectively from this sort of disassociation from self. There's a real compartmentalization and separation. And it's why people are lonely. It's why people don't feel connected to their work. It's why the great resignation is happening right now. People yeah. got a minute to reflect on their life during lockdown and they all quit their jobs because they said, I could die. You know, is this really it? Am I going to be, let's say, you know, the best marketing coordinator and that's my life. That's the sum total of my life, right? Um, the other thing is employers take so much of your time. So uh, you saw in the book proposal, we literally spend a third of our life working. Yeah. Um, and that's not an exaggeration. When you consider that the, one of the other thirds of sleep, that leaves a yeah. very little narrow slice of pie for you to be a person. If you have children, that's going to get eaten up with a family. 
So the idea of like bringing it together, it, it's, it's sort of the only way we can all be in a sustainable model individually and collectively, right? And it's the reason why companies make such messed up decisions because they took their spiritual hat off everybody going to work at Boeing and they were like, screw it, let's fly the 737 out there, right? Whereas if they were integrated at work and they said, listen, I've got a real ethical issue with this. We have a moral issue, people might die. Um, the world would be very different. It would. How, how do we integrate though? So we can yeah. be aware of these things, but how, how do we actually put that into practice? Well, I like to start with just basics, right? So it's not a moral thing and it's not a religious thing. It starts off with energy, which is just a scientific fact. We all have an electromagnetic field known as EMF. So when you go into the office and you feel very drained by a particular person, you don't know why, there's actually science and spirituality to that that's happening. They're, they're feeding off of you a bit parasitically, right? So just becoming aware of your energy body, little tips and tricks that are sustainable that everyone can use, like taking a salt bath when you get home from the office, all those little things start to, start to build this practice that works for you. Um, the other piece of it too is just basic meditation. In our, our society, no one sits with themselves. Ever. No, I'm never. the worst offender, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm always listening to an audiobook, a podcast, I'm doing sure. 18 things. I got a lot of Gemini in my chart, so it's not exactly that's my, my that's my daughter. So I'm like, yeah. is that a Gemini thing? So she listens to podcasts while watching TV, while doing but while doing like four different things. She is yeah. never not consuming something. I'm like, you've got to be alone with your thoughts or you're gonna go crazy. I mean, she she can't even think she's like, it helps me focus. It helps me focus. Like she has yeah. to have information feeding into her brain. Me too. But, but then every day I take between 15 and 30 minutes to sit in silence with myself. And so, so you can call that. I'm sorry. That is meditating then. It you is. It is. Yeah. And, and you just go out, but I try and make it intentional and you will be shocked at the things that come up when you're uh -huh. just sitting with yourself. It gets very weird. And I think too, a lot of people are uncomfortable with feelings and we've all been sort of given this uh, manifesto on like, you have to be positive. Anything that's a negative emotion is negative, da da da. That's yep. what we call toxic positivity because negative feelings, whether it's physical or emotional, it's data and it's there to get you to change something. Something's not working, something's hurting you. Something needs to be addressed. And when you know, I was in the workplace, all these men would hit like 55, 60 years old and just freak out, right? Yep. And leave their marriage and do all this crazy shit. Some of them ended up in rehab, even it was very extreme. And I yep. think the reason is that they realized, yeah, it's a midlife crisis and there is andropause and all that, but they realized like, oh fuck, I'm gonna die. And it like snuck up on them. It's all these things they were keeping in the basement came up to the main house of the main floor of the house. And I mean, just on a daily basis, for most of us, we talk about this on the podcast all the time, but I'm like, okay, so we spend a third of our lives at work, yeah. often doing what we don't really want to be doing. And then we come home and we, we buffer, we don't feel anything because we're watching TV, we're yeah. behind our computer, we're drinking, we're eating food mindlessly, and we're not really yeah. like connecting with other people in a meaningful way or ourselves right. and we just don't feel on a, on a daily basis. And I mean, that simple act of just sitting and seeing what comes up, even if it's your to-do list <laughs> running, through right. your, just allowing, like you said, it, it's data to, to come in. I don't know when we got away from being able to sit 
still, I mean, I think it's the phone more than yeah. anything. We just, we don't have to do that anymore. Um, and your, you know, your tip about this, the salt baths, the Epsom yeah. salt baths is the big, I notice an actual difference because I'm giving my energy all day, every day to clients. Yeah. And I end every single day that way. And it, I mean, it really <laughs> like sucks out any of that energy and is a perfect reset. It stops the chemical reaction of other people's energy and your energy field. It's sort of like if you remember like freshman year biology or chemistry, when you'd put an alkaline solution on an acid and neutralize it. Yeah. That's the way I look at a salt bath. It's almost like working in a hazmat zone. You know, it's a part of that disinfection process because the big challenge for everyone too is a third of your life at work, but then also how much more of your work is bleeding in just yeah. with what you're thinking. Are you obsessing about it? Are you letting your boss's nasty comment penetrate your, your daughter's, you know, school theater event? Of course you are. Like we really, everything is bleeding into everything and nothing is a thing anymore. It's all just this amorphous noise, right? And um, we're always available, always available. Always. There are no, there's no cutoff. I mean, I've joked, I've never worked a nine to five in my entire life, but I've joked like, God, I would love to do that to just leave work at the office. Yeah. But does anyone really do that anymore? It doesn't exist anymore. When yeah. I started my career in corporate, it was that, and it was yeah. wonderful. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, the biggest thing was you left the office and you had peace of mind. Like, no one was texting you and saying, well, where's this? Where's this file? And da, da, da. And I noticed during my career that's starting to shift. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because my husband's a chef and it's even happening in that industry. So you think, oh, long hours, whatever, but they get to leave it there. No, he's on Slack. He's getting uh -huh. push notifications. It's, it's like uh -huh. he has a consulting job and it's constant. Um, so we all need to sort of fight back. And I don't think we, this all just happened accidentally. I think there's a design on keeping humans distracted and numb. Yes. Because if we're not, like I can tell you in my life, when I started to really go inward and do spiritual work, I was like, I can't do this job I have forever. You wake up and you, you become up. somewhat ungovernable to the yeah. powers that really want to take advantage of you. So it's dangerous for them. And it's so powerful for us. And it's, yeah. it's, amazing how many of us don't don't do that but I think the last couple of years has been the perfect opportunity yes to wake up but it it can be a little isolating I think because I mean yes there's this loneliness epidemic happening but when you really wake up to what's really going on and how in control you actually are it ostracizes you from the herd and yes then, it does and then it's funny to use the word herd yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well, people are in, in some part sheeple, like it, it's oh, true, sheeple. the memes are true. And, you know, we have very programmable brains, primate brains love to form habits. It's why we're natural addicts. It's also the, the novelty in our brain allows us to learn and adapt. Humans have the most what's called hyper novelty in our brain system. So we can do anything, live anywhere, create, do all kinds of things. But that's the same mechanism where we like looking at our phone and getting that dopamine or serotonin boost. Um, what you just said about isolation is true. When you begin any spiritual journey or you, specifically sh shamanic journey work, you are going to feel like you're in exile. It's the weirdest feeling in the world. Um, you feel weird and different. You're, you have one foot in, in each world. And so you tend to observe people more than participate. It, it's a challenge, right? 
yes. to also be a person in that space and live. And it makes it hard to tolerate um, pleasant lies, right? Like you're like, no, it's just, it's, it's a lie. I can't take it. And if anyone's ever seen the first season of True Detective, the character Rust Cole is probably the most spiritually aware and awake person. And he's not that happy. Like spirituality doesn't always equate to happiness, but what shamanism does give you and what it's given me is, is real resilience where I go, oh, this is not a problem. Like it puts things in perspective and you you feel genuinely confident in a grounded way where you're like, yeah, no, it's okay. Cause we're not just meat sacks and this is what happens. and. Yeah. Yeah. And you, speaking of shamanic journeys, you reached out and said to me that going through this book proposal process kind of equated to a shamanic journey. And I was like, wait, what? Number one, that's an incredible compliment, but I'd love to get into that a bit because yeah. I, I know that this book proposal process and people who listen to this podcast, we we've talked about it in the past it's an undertaking. It's a, you know, two to three month process. It starts as one thing and ends up as something else, but it, it is a journey. You know, I've never equated it to being anything spiritual or anything really, really on that deep level. But what you said really resonated with me and kind of got me thinking about it in a different way. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I, I think all my clients should do this as oh, like a spiritual too. exercise. <laughs> no, like it, it blew me away because, you know, I've been a professional writer, basically, like yes. business oh. writer for decades. And I am a shaman. I write all kinds of things about shamanism. I do my own handouts for workshops in like five minutes, you know, yep. all of it was always very easy sitting down to write like my story and what is shamanism to me. And why do I think it matters right now at this point in time? man, it kind of broke me a little bit. Um, it was humbling. And the, the exercise forces you to go places and really articulate things that you otherwise would not. And I didn't like how, how uncomfortable I was feeling. I, I felt like I wasn't a good writer. Like, so across the board, Always, it was humbling. Uh, no, she is a phenomenal writer. You were such a good writer. <laughs> and I would give you notes and then you would just completely rewrite the whole thing in five minutes. I mean, you work so fast and you did go through many iterations because you're able to turn it over like that. A lot of people can't take that feedback and then, and then do it just like you did. I mean, you yeah. have a, a, a real skill set for that. Well, thank you. I think, you know, my abusive past in corporate probably helps with that where, you know, someone gives you feedback, it's the CEO, you have to turn it around, you right? Like yep. you have no other option, but yeah, it was, it was humbling and illuminating. And I got to know myself doing that in a way that I hadn't before. And it's funny in shamanism, we always joke, like we're done for, we're ready for the work to be done. Like I've had enough ego deaths, I've had enough bullshit and whatever, but it never ends. It's, it's an endless artichoke, the artichoke of infinity. And so I was in it and I was like, I didn't know these things about myself. I didn't know these things about my practice and, and just getting into it was really self-revelatory in a way. And I felt like it was energy work too, because my, I think my vibration was going up. So I wasn't eating that much, all that shit that happens when you do channeling work yeah. and things like that. And I just think the, the exercise of looking at your own life objectively in a hero's journey framework is weird. Um, you, you're like, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, and I, but I don't want to focus on the negative. Like there's all these interesting things and 
you then go, well, how am I, this is how I'm writing my story. How am I living my life? Yeah. What's the story that I tell myself every day subconsciously without being aware of it and maybe shifting some of that? It was, it was mind blowing. So thank you. Love that. I love that. And there's, yeah, there's really nowhere to hide in right within the proposal, a uh, proposal from yourself. And it's, you know, I do this for other people all day, but I, I still want to write more nonfiction books. And every time I sat down or I sit down to try to do this for myself, I can't do it. I'm just like, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. And it's, it's, it is a very, a very interesting, almost mirror like exercise where, where you, you have to be in it and go through it. And as you're discovering, yeah. you know, sometimes we put together these incredible proposals and you have a lot of interest already. And one person in particular loved the proposal, but wanted to maybe take a different angle on it, which yeah. happens a lot. So then you have to dive into it again and look at it with a different lens. And then it's like, well, then you're going to get, you will, I know that you'll get a book deal, but then you have your whole editorial feedback process where right. you're going to have to actually write the book and then edit the book and then hand it to all of these people. So it's a, it's a very long, laborious process, but starting here and the way that you've applied yourself to it and gone all in, I mean, I think it makes such a huge difference and will make such a huge difference in the outcome for it. Um, well, thank you. You know, it's, it's one of those moments too, where I had to, you have to gut check. Cause you know, yes, it's, it's a do. financial investment. It's uh -huh. a time investment, which if you're an entrepreneur, that's a financial investment too. Right. Yes. And you're, it's, it reminded me of the garden that I, I planted for the flower essences where you're putting seeds in the ground. You have no fucking idea what's going to grow. Yep. You have no idea what the squirrels are going to eat. You, you have to, it's like in that Indiana Jones movie. I don't know if you saw that. Um, in the last crusade where of course, the of faith across that oh little, God, yes, I love that. that's my favorite scene. <laughs> yes. Where you, you just take a step and you're like, okay, I'm not falling and I'm not dying as business owners, as people trying to do something different, you have got to take risks. And it's one thing to understand that cerebrally and say it like, cause I was saying it and I get it and whatever. And then you sit down to do it and you're like, what a mind fuck this would be. If I spent all this time, put all this energy and emotion and personal sort of skin in the game in this thing and no one wants it you could get rejected that's a realistic thing and and you will get rejected so i mean that's the thing i always preface this 90 percent, 99 percent of the time yeah. you're gonna it's gonna be a no for for whatever reason but really getting that that one yes from the agent and the yeah. one yes from the editor that's all that's all you need but it is it is such a huge leap of faith because you don't know there is no guarantee but i think going through the process, you at least, like you said, learn about yourself. You learn about your business, about the product, about what you want to write about. What do you think your biggest takeaway has been from the book proposal process? Well, it's twofold. So one is as the experience itself, like the process is this spiritual tool that you use, Rhea, which it, that's what it is. It. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, are, are you fucking serious about doing this, Rachel? Yeah. You know, this is one of those stage gates where you have to go like, all right, uh, you either are all in or not. And you've, you've got to take some gambles on things that are not going to manifest immediately, which is a, a crazy feeling for people. Um, and then the other piece of it was just understanding, you know, I think I mentioned this too. I never thought of myself as having imposter syndrome mm -hmm. until we had the dialogue around applying shamanism to business and that framework, which is brilliant. And I immediately, I was like, well, but who am I to say that? And 
hilarious because you know you're a senior vice president somewhere you're a director of things at a publicly traded company who else talks about it you know i i had this unspoken myth in my mind that you kind of have to be a ceo or you know like something to write about this stuff and you don't you do not you do not and i hate that that that's the way that we feel like oh you got to be this or you got to be that i mean it's just not not the case um, okay, I want to switch gears and talk about something way more fun than book proposals, which is your company Totem and what you offer people. I really want you to get into this because you know all my friends are like, oh, I talked to this medium or this person channeled this or I did a tarot card reading and I, you know, like I love crystals or I love flower essences and you kind of do it all. So I would love yeah. for you to to speak to that and what you offer people, people who do not have to be woo-woo, number one. You don't have to be woo-woo at all. If you are super woo, I promise you, you're going to get disappointed when you meet me. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a a woman come to one of our our meditation workshops. She goes, well, why aren't you wearing a headdress? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) (laughs) what are you talking about? We're in the middle of downtown Chicago. Oh my God. You think I got a headdress sitting around? I'm I'm, I'm not the holy man of my tribe. That's who should be wearing that, by the way. But yeah, so totem what I try to do is, is create a shamanic practice where people can come to me and I can help them in ways that matter tangibly in their lives. So this is not like a retreat in Bali where like you're gonna eat, love, pray or whatever, right? Like it's, it's not that, it's weaving it into your everyday life and beginning sort of the way I've used this uh, metaphor is the um, spiritual scavenger hunt. Like we're starting to collect pieces. It's starting to frame a theme you're starting to get to know yourself and also you know the world around you in a different more meaningful way and also you know leveraging these tools like flower essences or crystals to help you foundationally with things in your life um there's this real idea that it has to be very separate that there's like a spiritual thing you do and then there's your life but you know when i was in corporate i would bring crystals all the time if i thought it was going to be a tough day in my purse it always helped it's so weird it's incredible is it though i mean i think we we've, we've made it that way but yeah crystals are fucking legit they work, they work. i mean they <laughs> yeah but do- i was you know it's i think i wrote about this a little bit yeah. when someone once when i started doing shamanic work and they said something about crystals i immediately saw spencer pratt from oh, the hills completely. in my head covered yep. and I'm like it's cr- for crazy people or yeah. whatever and it, it's not they really work and there's real science to them and so yeah what what we do at totem is tarot card readings we designed our own tarot card deck that's We're on Amazon that. yeah um, <laughs> channeling mediumship shamanic journeying energy work all of these various things and the reason I do so many of them is because I am curious. So I never sit with the business model and just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that any entrepreneur, by the way, spiritual or not, their business can just sit with their business model. The rate of change is so incredible in the world. If you're not learning, developing, innovating, you're kind of behind already a little yeah. bit. And also the good thing about Totem bringing your whole self to work is I found something where I have endless energy and curiosity for it which is not the case in corporate. I mean, I would work an hour sometimes and be like, that's, that's fucking it for me. For the day. <laughs> you stole my soul. You stole yep. my life energy. You stole my health. Like I'm done. I'm a husk of myself, right? Yes. This is so different. So you keep going, you keep exploring. And one of the big things about Totem is if I, if I learn something, I immediately go, well, why aren't I doing that? Why can't I do that? 
yes. and trying to empower myself. Like flower essences, I take them every day. I love them. They yes. work. They and then work. I was like, wait, it was during lockdown. I said, I need an excuse to be outside. We had a huge balcony in the West Loop of Chicago and a roof deck that was private. And I was like, I should plant plants. Yeah. And I can't do anything that's just fun ever. It's not how my brain works. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make flower essences out of it. Yes. And then I did it and did it and did it. Of course, the scale was hilarious because I'm me, you know? So yeah. we made way more than you could ever need. And they worked. It was the most incredible experience. And so now that I'm in Texas, we're in Austin now, the garden is so much bigger. There's more exotic plants. And I, I actually feel like I'm doing something that's kind of medicinal for people. Oh, like it's, it's measurable. So medicinal. And I want to talk about the flower essences um, in particular, maybe talk about a few of your favorites, but I yeah. want to to it where I've done flower essences in the past, not in a real consistent capacity, more like the Bach flower remedies. That's what I started on. They work yeah. by the way. Yeah, they and do. They do work. There's a very um, interesting story to the Bach family. I just learned about a month ago. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bach or Dr. Bach, his father was a Nazi and headed up the SS program for like bad things with uh, under the guise of vaccines, right? In Nazi Germany. So he wanted to help undo his father's legacy. And so he created everything is, you know, plants are medicine, nature is medicine. It's like this incredible, beautiful healing force to counteract what his family had done the generation before him. Okay. That's amazing. I know. Where has that story been, by the way? Uh, yeah, that's an amazing story. And you know, I, so I'm a terrible, have been a terrible sleeper my whole life. I see spirits, ghosts, Mm -hmm. I've got restless monkey mind. And I talked to you a little bit about it because I've done valerian root and CBD and melatonin and uh, melatonin. None of that shit works for me. Like it just doesn't. And so you suggested your lavender flower essence. And in the back of my mind, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. It'll just be like one more thing that won't work. And you told me like after like three or four days, it should start to work. And I swear to God on that third, fourth day, I mean, my husband's been taking it too. And I am not, I don't even remember like in the morning, I don't remember waking up consistently through the night. Cause I wake up like 20 times, 30 times a night, I'll go back to sleep, but it has been so unbelievably helpful in just a short period of time. Um, I'm glad. So, so and by the way, no one was more surprised these things worked than me. Exactly. That's what's so amazing <laughs> about because you're skeptical. And I am. And I started taking, so I had everybody around me kind of beta test the yes. first group of them, right? And I'm like, give me feedback, whatever. It never occurred to me to take my own shit sure. ever, which is so classic me. <laughs> so then I started taking um, Orange Glow which yes. is nasturtium by like the third day, I had a moment in the backyard where I go, did I get high and forgot I got high? Cause by yes. the way, if you smoke pot, you forget that you smoke pot, it happens. <laughs> you forget where you put your pot. It's one of those yep. substances. And I recalled my old day, I was like, no. And I go, is it the flower essence? And I, I called my husband, I said, I think I did accidental witchcraft. Like, I think I did. And I started taking the mint one, which is for abundance energy. And you know, in my head, I'm like, if, if anything at maximum, it's gonna reframe my sure. energy body, to just receive more. All my corporate clients called me and they said, hey, can we pay you in advance before the end of the year so we don't lose our freelance budget? I need some mint. Give me some mint. <laughs> it was like $40,000 of quote free money. I mean, I have to work for them and stuff, but I was like, yes, I will receive that. And it's been weird. Um, and I think that's a good sign of mental health, by the way, that you're surprised by the effectiveness of the woo. You exactly. shouldn't go in being like, 
yes, it works because placebo effect is so strong too. You want it to be real. Yeah. You want it to really work. Yeah. So if you had to suggest maybe your top three favorite flower essences of the moment, what would you suggest for people? The one everybody needs is yarrow. Y-A-R-R-O-W. So pink yarrow in particular separates your energy body from other people's energy bodies. So if you go into an office or by the way, energy doesn't really care about geography. You're on Zoom calls, people are toxic. They're maybe going through a divorce. They're stressed, they're in scarcity. It prevents all of that from penetrating your energy field. Empaths had a very tough time the last few years. My husband's an empath. I'm friends with a few of them. Pink yarrow is your best friend. I'm growing right now red yarrow and it's going gangbusters out there. So it's like a slightly amped version that's also supposed to help protect against negative entities, which I just view as non-corporeal parasites. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Um, okay, yes, pink yarrow. Um, um, I really like nasturtium, and I don't think I was going to like that one. But I realized how little I'm in my own body in a way that I enjoy. I have a hard time being present. I have a hard time feeling good in a body. You know those people growing up who are like, "I'm a dancer," and you're like, "Good for you." Completely. Yes. I'm not that like if I'm at a wedding I'm standing in the corner I I have issues so orange glow really like when I I've been taking it and in the afternoons I'm like I'm just walking my dog like to be present is like to experience a little snippet of Xanadu in your everyday life and then I have to imagine the adrenal reset on that and the neurological reset allows for so much healing like I've I have a cold right now but I've never felt healthier in my life it's amazing. Um, and and that, then, is that orange glow or nasturtium? Yeah, orange that? glow. Yeah. Is that the nasturtium it or is, is that yeah. it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the nasturtium all just started poking their little heads out from the soil. So I was like, yes, they're growing. Here we go. Dang. They're amazing. really pretty. Um, and then I think as a third, I would say mint. The mint. N- yeah. Mint. I, I planted it and I was so shocked. We had roses. We had all these other plants. All of the pollinators, all the bees, all the butterflies wanted the mint flowers. And I was so stunned because they're not big. They're not particularly pretty. And I learned that witches believed that mint had that abundance energy because of how busy they are and all the energy that goes into it from the pollinators and just all that activity. And I have to say, it's, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. People have scarcity issues. You know, if you can take a little bit of mint flower essence and just chill out on that, it, it yeah. makes your ability to receive money and, and happiness so much easier. Yeah. Love it. And, and I mean, again, this is, it's so medicinal. It's so natural. And I I don't know why, why it's not normalized a little bit more. Like you can use this as medicine in your life instead of, I mean, whatever else that we do, you know, I mean, I can't even take an Advil anymore without feeling sick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm about as holistic as it comes when it comes to that stuff. I mean, just, well, but don't you think some people get alienated from, from that whole vibe because they go like, Oh, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a person who walks around my yoga mat. Yeah. There's these stereotypes and we get so tribal about things. Like that's not what my team does. Right. Um, There was this woman, I reached out to her. um, She, we have a mutual friend. She lives in Austin. I was moving here. And I sent her some of these. Right. Um, And then she wrote to me and she goes, Oh, I can't take these you know, cause I'm a Christian. What? And she, she must've figured out that I made a tarot deck or something. And I was like, okay, you know that they're plants, right? They're plants. Like the dark they're Lord didn't 
like hoof his way over to them and make them like I did. They're fine. Yes. There's no incantation. It's exactly. just plant stuff. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, they are for everyone. Everyone. You don't have to subscribe yeah. to any belief to, to take them. And I love, that's what, I feel like that's what you are all about. That's what totem is yeah. all about. And your tarot deck, which we're going to talk about. I mean, I, I think I have literally told everybody about this tarot deck. I've mentioned well, thank it on the podcast. You. It's not only the most, like, I'm going to get one of these cards like tattooed on my body because I love the design so much, but it is a different type of deck um, yeah. than I've ever worked with. Um, it, I can't even think of the right word. It just feels so embodied and powerful and grounded. And my husband, I joke, he fights me for the deck all the time. He wants it. And so I'm just going to buy him one so we can have two decks so he doesn't get his energy on mine. But <laughs> where, where did the inspiration behind this come from? Because it is yeah. a little bit different than most tarot decks out there. Yeah. Well, um, Emma is my partner on it. Emma's a great designer who you've now worked with too. Um, I just was so sick of tarot decks. At one point, yeah. I think I owned like more than 200. I had a shaman yard sale. So we got rid of a bunch of books and decks and things like that. But they've always had this crunchy, cute, fairy, Doreen Virtue-esque kind of vibe to them. And that's not my vibe. Um, I think I embody a little bit more shadow or yang than the average practitioner, right? So I wanted to make something that that updated that classic writer weight deck, right? But made it made it new. And Emma and I went very ancient and very hyper modern. Yes. Sort of like if, if anyone out there is a fan of Trent Reznor, his music, or you look at a Cybertruck design and you're like, there's something primordial with that, but there's also something hyper-modern and Blade Runner about it. And that's yeah. the vibe we wanted. And everything about Totem, I am wearing black right now. I know, black. black. They're, it's they're a city black, thing. And, <laughs> no, they're so elegant and sleek. Thank you. Just, oh, I love we, them. We wanted to make something that wasn't hokey, you know, yes. that didn't feel like a 13-year-old girl's scribbles in a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, right? And, and it, it resonates with men, which I wasn't yes, expecting, but it makes me happy because I've talked to so many men, men get alienated. They've been a bit abandoned by the spiritual community. They yeah, they don't have a home for that really. And so they, they find themselves drawn to like, you know, God only knows what's going on on 4chan and things like that. So it's, it's a good thing that, that dudes like it because I think they're an audience that's been neglected by the tarot card industry, if you will. Not that it's got a lobby or anything, but yeah. I agree. I mean, my, my husband's super open to, we have a bunch of decks, but he, I have never seen him gravitate toward a deck more or resonate more because your little booklet and explanations that come with them they are so well well written number one but well thought out and just very very powerful and very different than the typical explanation for what a card is um so i i am such a fan and they're available on amazon um so beautiful everyone self-published it's yes. not that much fun now you know why I'm working yes. I said I'm never doing that again on my own poor Emma and and yeah with it's funny with these cards like the uh the whole archetypal energy of them I think yeah. is resonating with people and you're learning that they don't have to be this cutesy like am I going to meet a guy kind of thing I would use these cards for work all the time for really? making you know I, I always tell my clients I never make a major decision solely based on a tarot card reading. It's sure. a point of data that I take in, right? Right. Um, 
but also the definitions I wrote in that book came from developing a language with cards over the years with client readings. Yeah. And I'd be like, you know what? Every time this comes up, they do get a job offer. You're not going to find that in the old medieval write-up. Oh, no, you're not. Do you want to pull a card, just one yeah. card, like while we're, so people can Let's kind of explain. I know you can, no one can see this, but um, we're going to put links to You're going to love it. Yeah. It's, it's so your husband's vibe. Hilarious. Oh my God. The alchemist. Okay. So he keeps <laughs> pulling this card over and over yes. again. He is, yes, I love that card. It's the essence of art, like true art. And that's what I love about it is an artist creates something and that's cathartic for them. Yeah. But then also people experience that art and it changes and transmutes them and it uplifts and inspires them. It's sort of like planting seeds, but seeds that self-replicate out, out in the space. And you know, I've really been reading like on the history of art and war because of what's going on in Europe. Yeah. And any culture that doesn't have a lot of art, it, it's, it's always going down the toilet and circling the drain. Yeah. Like art is a symptom or a side effect of a very healthy culture that yes. finds a place for that stuff to go. Yes. Um, but also your husband and you know, both of you, how creating something out of nothing is hard, hard. So hard. I yes. just finished a 95,000 word book in oh my a God. few months, really. Like it, it was... I, just it's such a birthing process but again to start with nothing and yeah. then leave with this thing and then and, and you create this thing I mean it's it's my favorite way to live and and be but it is such an undertaking well the two of you aren't just doing it for yourselves either you're doing it for the world and I really think you know in our society if you look at our main economies you know our biggest industries no one's really making things. And as, as individuals, no. we don't know how to make stuff. Like, how do you make stuff? And so, you know, we've got people in the uh, coaching program. I do a spiritual transformation coaching program. One of them's making candles. One of them's making herbal tinctures. Like people are making things. I know, and we talk about that all the time. We've just lost that yeah. ability to tink. And it's because we fill our time. We don't fill our time with those things anymore. We don't fill our time with music and art and language and yeah. friends. It's just like work or screens or digital communities or binging Netflix. Or, I mean, somebody said the other day, they're like, oh, I finished Netflix. Like <laughs> they found the end Netflix. of the internet. Yeah. They're there you know? looking um, at the drop off point. <laughs> Yeah, completely. So I feel like there's kind of this resurrection of, of creativity and art for those that are, are waking up and wanting, I mean, we are made to use our hands and, and to yes. be, to be so we're, creative. Just and watch. we're made to be outside. Oh by the way. God. Don't get me um, that's why the garden is a gift. I gave myself to force myself. It's, I've decided I have to trick myself into doing things that are good for me. Because yes. I have an addiction to efficiency and productivity. Me too. I think you and I are very similar that way. Yeah. yeah. And every day I go out in the garden, I have to work. You get genuinely tired in your bones. You don't have to go to an orange theory class yeah. and get yelled at by somebody and sweat with a bunch of other people because you're you're using your body the way it was intended. And way also intended. with art and writing and all these things, you're making something that I believe doesn't just impact humans. I think it, it shifts the ether. Like I really believe that. Ari Shafir is my favorite stand-up comedian. Cause yes. you know, I love Tim Dillon and everything, but we, my husband and I went and saw Ari live and he blew my mind just with his storytelling. And he talked about doing ayahuasca and how he saw a sphere of what he had created and it went up into like the ether and he goes, I cured it. There was this message about what he created 
it like contributed to this spiritual and energetic world too. And not just people. Love it. Love yeah. it. Okay. We are going to end with a little kind of like Q and a round Robin yeah. um, style. So just kind of saying the first thing that comes to your mind, but this is very tailored to you and what we've, what we've been talking about. Um, okay. So favorite crystal. Favorite crystal is citrine. I love citrine. citrine. And it's kind of basic bitch, but I love it. Yeah. It's got that beautiful, like saffron, yellow, gold, orange color to it. Yes. And it's a it's a money flow stone, but it's also when I am around it, it just feels happy. Like it's a happy stone. It is a happy stone. I yeah. love that crystal. Uh, yeah. Favorite spiritual figure. Do you have one? I think I do. And it's 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 a weird one. Um <laughs> My my favorite spiritual figure is C.S. Lewis. Uh, oh. I'm not strictly speaking a Christian or a Christian theologian, yeah. but I just like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, and I mean ev everything yeah. he wrote about and Screw Tape Letters. If anyone wants to learn about negative entities, I think he nailed it with Screw Tape Letters, and it's funny. Yes. Um, so I know that's an odd choice, but no, I love that. It's so not much, Deepak though. Chopra. It's not, you know, it's that's why it's yeah. refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know we just talked about this a little bit, but favorite flower essence, if you could only take one. Yeah. I really think it would be orange glow for me. Glow. Yes. Yeah. Cause I need that the most, you yes. know, part of this work is, is finding out where you need to shore up some yep. things where you have opportunities to improve things versus, you know, things you've already got on lock. You don't really need to amplify all that much. Completely. Um, what is your preferred or favorite way to protect your energy? Um, I wear crystal jewelry and yeah. I just always feel like that works. It's yeah. so funny. And it's funny because an energy vampire will always notice it. All my jewelry is always pretty small. And they're like, oh, those earrings. I'm like, oh, the earrings are giving you a hard time. Huh? They're tourmaline. I have like, never <laughs> thought about that. If like people yeah. commenting on it. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. They'll like immediately get drawn to it because it's, it's quizzical for them and they want to understand what, it. What's the best crystal to protect that energy field? Do you think? I always say anything black, which is not always the prettiest, but ter black tourmaline, onyx, obsidian, black quartz, because yeah. it absorbs toxic garbage and it yeah. doesn't have to get cleared all that often. When I do psychic work, I wear a clear quartz necklace just to clear my heart chakra. A lot of people who come for energy work are in heart chakra trauma. So you don't want to absorb a lot of that, but with clear quartz, you, you have to be really hygienic with them. Energetically, you have to clear them a lot, things like that. Interesting. So black crystals are low maintenance. Yes. Love the low maintenance. Mm -hmm. uh, what's one thing no one knows about you? That I'm a big giant baby. Oh, I'm such a pussy. And people <laughs> never guess that ever, ever, ever. No, like, I would guess that. Seriously, in what, I, way? in what way? I if I'm watching like a, a Pixar movie, like let's say Up, sobbing, yeah. sobbing, yeah. it gets yeah. me every time. I can't even still watch Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain because he yeah. passed away, and I find it so poignant. So yeah. I'm a Cancer. We cry in secret. Yeah, if you don't know about it. That's and it's it's like drinking. You should do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really that that theatrical about the crying and. Uh, yeah. the, all the crying on social media and everything. It's like, ugh, it's a oh bit God. much. I know. I can't, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I have an issue with crying. I'm trying to get so much better. I, I long for it, like to be yeah. in 
you know, I do these like sacred circles and little women's retreats. And every time someone breaks down crying, like they'll just start talking and crying. I'm like, I've never been that, that woman. I've never been able to do that in the presence of other people. It doesn't come to me in those settings ever, ever. It it always catches me off guard, but yeah, my, my husband says, he goes, you're such a, you're such a softy, you know? Yeah. Um, that is surprising. I would not guess that about you. Uh, what is your goal for the book for your book? Goal for the book is to get it in as many hands as possible and, and help as many people as, as I can. Um, I, shamanism has helped me because of shamanism. I'm not stuck in some like nightmare sarcophagus of a job. You know, I'm not dealing with that conspiracy of mediocrity that seems yeah. to thread the levels of every business and corporation. And it's helped me become, I think, a better person. I'm not a good perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. But to me, it's the most democratic self-improvement tool. It doesn't make you neurotic. It's not some life coach saying, well, that's because you're not vibrating properly. That's why that's like, you know, all that shit that makes people crazy. And those people come to me and I have to like unneurotic them. I'm like, life is hard. Life is painful. This is a part of it. You're doing just fine. Um, And that's what shamanism has given me. And so I just really want people to understand they don't have to pick a team to be spiritual. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You know, I've gotten in more fights with owners of yoga studios because I drink and I eat meat than I can yeah. ever tell you. Um, it comes from every direction. That sort of uh, virtue signaling purity test we're all subjected to all the time. Like, are you a good enough person? And, well, what do you think about Ukraine? Everybody, it's this whole thing that you need to announce at all times. Your stand on everything. It, shamanism gets you out of that and you're living again. It, it connects you with life. Oh, I love that. I love that. In the words of Dave Chappelle, Twitter's not a real place. Yes, no, it, it is it's not. not a real place. Don't no. Yeah, we talk a lot about social media on this show. Um, okay, <laughs> this is a weird question, but uh, men or women? For what? Company, like just being in the company of men or women. It's shifting for me. It used to only be men. I'm yeah. being dead serious. Same. Sorry, Same. sorry, ladies. Me too. Same. Yeah. I'm a feminist. I want us to all be out there crushing it, um, especially though in the spiritual space. I just found women to be a little cloying yeah. and also a little um, like there's this one woman, my friend Roger and I call her the Reiki Nazi. Like there are these, these people that are these purists about these modalities and, and it's like, just chill out. Men, men tend to chill out a little bit better and joke and just have dude humor and be cool. But I, in my coaching program, this happened completely on accident. Everyone in it is a woman and I really, really love their company. Like I really enjoy my time with them. I call getting on a zoom with them, like going to my treehouse. It's my treehouse time yeah. for magic things. And so I think, I think women. Yeah. Oh, I love no that. No one's more surprised yeah. than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stay in or go out. Stay in every time. Yes. Every, every time. <laughs> I know. I've been about- yesterday and it was like just a comedy of errors with me. And I, I would like miss things at home. I'm like, I didn't pack snacks. Hello. Yeah. I'm in the city of Austin. I can get snacks. That's oh, hilarious. Really? Yeah. I've been joking that I'm a day friend. Like I love, I'll go out with my friends during the day, but at night I've become so psychotic about my nightly ritual of like baths and reading and journaling and just preparing my sleep, like sleep hygiene. Sleep has become so important to me. Like hitting dreams are important. Dreams are crazy important. And, you know, even a psychologist would tell you that they they tell you so much about yourself and your life. And the other thing is if you're energetically sensitive going out at night, 
it means you have to stay up later to come down from the stimulation. Oh, all the time. Yeah. So if I, if I'm out late or I do, you know, I do all these like events at night and I am wired yeah. uh, for hours and hours and hours, and then I don't sleep. And it's, it's very interesting. Um, summer or winter? Um, I used to be a winter girl and now I'm a summer person. Um, yeah. yeah, I loved winter in Chicago. And then I moved to Austin. I realized what I loved about it is no one was ever outside during <laughs> winter in Chicago. So you got parks to yourself. You know, I'd walk to the art museum and very few people would be there. The summer in Chicago is just, it's a zoo. So many it tourists, everybody's there. But living in Austin, I have really developed this addiction to sunlight now. Like I'm not sitting yeah. out in it or anything, Me but if too. it's a cloudy day, I'm like, Oh, I don't feel good. Same, same. I don't know if I could ever go back. I think it's summer now. Completely. Nashville, we had like all last week, it was uh, just gray and rainy and I was in the worst mood. And this week it's 70 and sunny. And I have been like, feels like I'm on drugs. I'm just like vitamin D. It's And and I also learned sunlight helps decalcify your pineal gland. And I didn't know that. I just read that the other day. So I think part of it as a spiritual practitioner, basically a psychic, you know, that sunlight hits your rods and cones in the back of your eye and it loosens up your psychic muscles a little bit. Yes. Good. Yeah. Uh, Psychedelics or flower essences. I have to say flower essences. I mean, that's what I love. Yeah. I don't have an issue with drugs, but I did a, a very heavy dose of mushrooms on the solstice and it wasn't that much fun for me. And I actually kind of missed the euphoria of the flower essences because I feel like I feel good on them. But yes. I'm also, I'm there and I'm able to drive. I'm at the wheel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So hear that, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And wow, the is... on ayahuasca I know. and the ceremonies, yeah. ayahuasca is a very hardcore plant medicine. And it's ideal for someone who's really dealing with some shit. Like yeah. if you've got an addiction, you've got other stuff going on, clinical depression, it's great for that. It's not, it's not a party drug at all. And if you approach it that way, I've had clients come to me it'll break you a little bit. You're supposed to approach it with a certain degree of humility and respect. Yeah. Absolutely. And lastly, if people want to find out more about you, if they want to work with you, if they want to join your coaching program, if they want a tarot card reading, where do they go? Where can they find you? How can they work with you? So I'm on Instagram at Totem Rach. All 12 of my followers are on there. So don't worry. That's not an impersonation. I love that you're not, you're not, that's not where it is for you. I mean, that's, we're very similar about that. Um, And then my website is totemreadings.com. So all the information's on there, all the stuff about the flower essences, the deck, all that good stuff. Yep. And I'm pretty responsive. um, So yes. Amazing. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for joining the real story today. I love talking to you. And I think so many listeners, listeners will learn so much about spirituality and how they can incorporate it into their daily lives. Thank you. Thanks for listening to right way presents the real story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on the real story and right way, visit rightwayco.com.